I'm out of town, thugging with my hounds. My coochie pink and my booty all is brown. That's why I believe. Hey, what's up? What's up, Hunga family? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Hunga Podcast, a Philly-based culture and society podcast from a Black queer perspective. I'm your host. I'm your producer, Eric Cole, aka Life Coach Eric, BKA Tennis Bay. If you're not already following and subscribe, be sure to do that. You can find the Hunga Podcast on any podcasting and any social media platform by simply searching Hunga Pod. That's H U N G U P P O D. I'm more active on Instagram. Tap that bio link for links to past episodes, to Tony and I's exclusive interview with the Candace Dillard, and also see Hunga Podcast recommendations like access to prep resources and testing here in the city of Philadelphia, and documentaries like Legendary 30 Years of Philly Ballroom, which actually just got um, shout out to WURD, Ashanti, and Amanda Braxton. She hosts Solutions. And um, I found I made it to radio. Like everyone's always telling me, Eric, you have a radio voice, which was a big, you know, draw to do podcasting. But it was really cool to be on the radio. It was on June 27th. It was like a pride special, a pride panel of sorts. And I was teamed up with Ebony Ali. It was very nice to meet them. And we talked about Black queer spaces here in Philadelphia and how we can preserve them. I briefly brought up the fact that Philly does have a very um, long and rich ballroom history. And I was shuffling around during the interview quick because it was on air it was live um i was trying to find the link and trying to remember what the name of the documentary was so there you have it legendary 30 years of philly ballroom and it's recent it came out in 2019 so three years ago and the description says an inside look into the effort to preserve philadelphia's ballroom scene a black lgbtq safe space that has endured for 30 years A film produced by the Philadelphia's Inquirer's Emmy-winning video team. And it was a really good documentary. So that is also in the bio link under the recommendation section. And there are ways that we as a community and folks outside of the community can work to preserve these spaces and keep them safe. I'm pulling back from the interview that I had with Kenyon L. O'Brien. So if you haven't checked that out, that is episode 445. It's the one right before this. Talks with myself series in the ballroom, the Philly ballroom scene. 
Kenyon pointed out that showing up and being in spaces can be counterproductive. And particularly like this also is for white folks. Like when it comes to queer and black spaces, you being physically in the space isn't always necessary, but there's other ways that we can show up. And Kenyon talked about um, how patrons can push out the talent, especially in this day and age where, you know, you have TikTok and there's more of a microscope on the ballroom scene but we gotta continue to tell these stories so we know where it comes from and that has to come from us and so other ways that we can support support the talent they need money to live they need money to perform they need money to walk they need spaces to host these events that's another way that we can pour in and offer support we can use our social media share the videos share the history and all the beauty that comes from the ballroom community and um and and show that love and that reverence that we that we really have let the people really know where the voguing and where the duck walk and all of that comes from but also we have to remind people how we got there creating a space outside of the white gaze and it was a pushback against our families and a pushback against society to tell us you know that we're telling us that we could not have and still to this day we're fighting for those things so again thank you wurd that entire panel discussion will be out in podcast form and the video will be on youtube soon so just stay tapped in so you know when that gets released I'm hung up. Let's go ahead and get into this week's conversation with Jewel the Chem, who is a survivor, community organizer, educator, and entertainer, unapologetic abolitionist, ratchet revolutionary. She'll give you all of the titles in the interview. (laughs) Jewel recently released her rap album, Ratchet Revolution, which was dedicated to the Black, queer, and trans community. Jewel has her own radio show down in Atlanta, Hits 92.3. And it's called Jewel's Gems, which is a show that exclusively centers and spotlights the Black, queer, and trans community. Jewel has been featured on BET's Fox Soul. She's been featured in Go Magazine. She really just is the homegirl that you want to have. I hope y'all enjoy and show her some love. You say she rude. You think she care? Uh-uh. She turned around. Flip her hair. Flip, flip. Ooh, all the shade. But she paid. Go ahead and look at what her mama made. You say she... Look at the come up, can nothing stop me. I am the definition of your inspiration. I am the vision of your motivation. They didn't even know till I popped out. Tell when I did, must believe that I showed out. I am where I'm supposed to be, now I'm turned out. Just that I can go all night with no way back. They didn't even know till I popped out. Tell when I did, must believe Hey, what's up, Hunger Family? I want to welcome to the Hunger Podcast. I'm really happy that she is here. Born and raised in Brooklyn, Jewel the Gem, who is a survivor, a community organizer, educator, and entertainer. Someone who considers themselves to be unapologetic abolitionist and freedom fighting for femme black lives. I wanna welcome Jewel the Gem to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and be in conversation with you. Yes, I'm so hung up and I'm glad that we found each other. I followed mm-hmm. you on Instagram mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. your platform and your content is so dope. So please let mm-hmm. the listeners know where they can find you and how they can support you. 
Yes. So first of all, I love that we opening up with that, right? We opening up with the support. I love that. Let's get right to it. (laughs) Let's get into it. Okay. So yeah. So my main, so I have a lot of Instagram pages. Um, and not because it's offensive, but I really be starting things and, you know, creating different communal, communal spaces. But my primary page on Instagram, so I can be primarily on Instagram, Jewel, so J-E-W-E-L underscore the gem, T-H-E-G-E-M. Um, I've been on Facebook for a little bit. You know, I'm getting a little older, so I feel like now I'm returning back to Facebook. I'm like, get on there a little bit. I'm Jewel Cadet on there. <laughs> and then I'd be TikToking uh, in my own way. Um, and I'm Jewel, period, the gem on there. But if you just want to hit up one platform, Instagram is where you can find me, see me and all there. Yes. And yes. Hung Up Hot Family, you already know I'm going to drop Jewel's contact information episode notes. And y'all already know, like, if you tap, I'm tapping the bio link on your Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And, and, Everything y'all need, everything y'all looking for is going to be right, right. there in the bio. Like yes. always, but people always be like, not, not everybody, but some people, how can I support you? Where can I listen to your stuff? Tap mm-hmm. the bio link, y'all. Like, when Come on. Us, you should also yes. just tap the bio yes. You tap that bio. I see Jewel. Yes. Go Magazine, 100 Women We Love. Mm-hmm. Your official music video for Popped Out, which is yes. such a summer bop. And yes! <laughs> okay, your link to book you. Um, by the mm-hmm. way, Black Philly Pride, Philly Black Pride. I know y'all listening. We gotta have we gotta have Jewel here for next for the next. Listen, I pitched myself to perform for Philly Black Pride. Because I'm a New Yorker and Philly is right there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, when I used to throw events, I would have a lot of people who would come out from Philly to my events. So I'm like, oh, we, we cousins. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should come to me. And they never got back to me. <laughs> I was real sad about it, actually. But they never got back to me. Okay. Yeah. So if you're listening, yeah, yeah let's do it. Let's do it Jay next Lute, time. Um, mm-hmm. who I know is a, is a promoter. Um, mm-hmm. We got to get with, and look, that's why you're here on. That's why I'm here. See, look at that. I like it. The girls (laughs) might have ignored the email, but you're back. You're back. Okay. 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 Hello. No, you're not going nowhere. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. In your bio link, I see your interview with Voyage ATL Magazine, and I've interviewed Mm -hmm. a few people who have been featured in that magazine. Mm-hmm. Your artist spotlight and African hype. I mean, just everything. What conjurer? Oh, very that. Very that. Very into the conjure. Very into African traditional, religional, never digital, religious practices. So I'm Haitian. So, you know, very big energy. And yes, the conjure is real. A lot of, you know, the blessings in my life have been manifestations and they've been doing the spiritual work and having the guidance of ancestors and spirit guides mm. to make sure things happen. And I'm protected along the way. Yes. So, oh yeah, big conjure energy. Mm-hmm. Yep, big hood of energy. Because I just posted to um, my page not too long ago, Hunger Pie Family, y'all listening, I posted this video 
that was talking about the question was like how do you practice ancestor worship and oh yeah the perspective of the video was one that i could relate to which was Mm -hmm. having them in your home pictures yes um Mm -hmm. um, what do you call it a um anything yeah anything that they Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like things like that Mm -hmm. and building a little altar in your home and talking Mm -hmm. with them and really having a relationship with them and knowing and understanding that they are there and they want to help you and they want to guide you they have now tapped into this um wisdom now that they're on the other side and they really do exactly help us and so i really respect that i really do so yeah we could have a whole nother podcast or something <laughs> about that. and we really can because we really can because that's a whole vibe and, and i'll share really shortly because i know we have so much more to discuss but i'll share really shortly that like it's something that black people do anyway mm-hmm. um when we gather together and we make our elders' favorite recipes and they've passed on, we're honoring, we're venerating our ancestors through that, yeah. right? When we wear, oh, my mom's favorite ring or a bracelet that she gave me, but then if that parent has now passed on, you're wearing, like, that, that has ancestral energy. Um, my most favorite thing, and that's the last thing that I'll share, is I'm from the hood, and when people died, they made altars in the street with balloons and things like that. And they poured out a little liquor. That's called libations. Yes. For the ancestors. So it happens. It's in our culture, but people are just so afraid to, like, I, I comfortably use the word witch. I comfortably say conjure. I comfortably say that because I know that it doesn't mean devil worship. I know exactly what I mean. And when you know who you are and what you mean by what you say, then nothing that anybody else could say that can make you feel offended or hurt. That so, part. Yeah. That part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hold on one second. <laughs> I just realized. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you can hear me. I don't. I, well, I guess it's the computer microphone that's picking up. I just realized that my microphone is not plugged in. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You sound very clear to me, but yeah, it's private computer. Okay. Can you still hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay. I hear the difference. Here we go. <laughs> Okay. I hear it. I you hear, hear it? it? Okay, because I this do. is the thing. I know I have a very deep, deep monotoned voice, so mm-hmm. I need my microphone. I need my microphone oh, yes. anywhere I go. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's giving good vocals. Good, good vocals. <laughs> Joel, the gem. So I don't even know where to start because I feel like you're the best friend that I never had and oh, yes. just met. So. Mm-hmm. Who is Joel the Gem? Because I know you, and you mentioned this, you reign from New York mm-hmm. and you've moved and you've taken, you've moved your life down south. So talk about that a little bit. Yes. So Jewel the Gem is her ancestors' greatest manifestation. That's That's been lately, people have been asking me who I am. I start with that because I am very big into honoring my ancestors and I'm very solid and grounded as to what my purpose is in this lifetime. Um, So I'm really excited to just live in that and to bask in that. I'm a Brooklyn baddie. So I'm originally from Brooklyn, East New York, to be specific. When people from Brooklyn, they'd be like, what part? East New York, to be specific. Um, (laughs) I moved to Atlanta during during like the peak or during 2020. I mean, you know, the pandemic lingered for 2021 and 2022. People, you know, still giving a little pandemic vibes now, but... I moved in December 2020. 
Um, I moved on my mom's birthday, December 9th, specifically for that day. Because everything is numbers, spiritual alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and picked up my life. I left my horrible job. I was a director at a nonprofit, but it was just a horrible work environment. I loved what I did. I did a lot of anti-violence work. So keeping survivors safe and helping them, you know, get out of certain situations that weren't healthy for them in terms of relationships and just also community um, as well, like teaching people how to show up and and provide safety for people in community. So I loved the work. Mm -hmm. However, where I was working was not where where I needed to be. So I left the job. Got on a plane, one way ticket. I did fly first class because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I never flew first class before. You better live. And I'm going one way. Yeah, I'm going one way. And as soon as I got off, the, I got off the, the plane. I played "Welcome to Atlanta" by Jermaine Dupri. You know what I'm saying for myself. I I booked myself a driver. Like I created. You created this whole mood. Yes, I love it. I created a whole mood. Like, I was like flying first class. I bought new luggage. Full sit. I was in the airport with a full white dress because if people know about white, the spirituality aspect of it. Wow. I had a white dress, knee boots, like braids. I mean, people talk about starting new chapters. You literally. Oh, for real. Said, I'm starting a new chapter and I'm. Oh, for real. Yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a driver, he had a name. He had Jewel Cadet out for me, you know, so I found him and he brought me in and I just walked into my new life. You know, I saw the apartment sight unseen because it was pandemic. And so I wasn't able to, you know, go in and see it. So um, I saw it sight unseen. It was exactly, it was beautiful, luxury apartment in Buckhead. And I started my life in Atlanta. And I feel like, you know, that's, that shows that Jewel the Gym is <laughs> third person, but it shows that I'm sort of person that I'm going to bet on myself at all costs. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm not like a, super adventurous person in a lot of other areas but when it comes to me i don't play about myself and my journey so i'm like i'm a bet on me at all costs so that's who i am (laughs) oh look i know you don't play about you because it's all in the music listen Mm -hmm. hunger family if you want to know listen to these lyrics on this album and we're going to get into some of the tracks in a few moments but Mm -hmm. I know you all about your business. You all about your business yes. and mm-hmm. you, you take it real seriously. Um, so let me, all right. So you, you moved to Atlanta in 2020. Mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. So three years mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Yep. How you feeling? You, you like, Oh yeah, this is, this is the move <laughs> that I should have made and I made it and I'm happy I made it. Or are you like, mm, I don't know. Right. I'm still working things out. <laughs> <laughs> It's, been, it's it's good to be asked that question now. Um, when I first got to Atlanta, I was on a reality show, and I love reality shows. Oh, but like really? you know, yeah, I was on a reality show. Um, it was a, it's an LGBT reality show, and you know, I felt like literally a month after I moved here, so like just straight from you know, and just hop straight in, and and that was difficult for me. It was giving big villain villain energy, but not because I wanted it to, but because I live in my truth and I am radical, and I think that. Uh, the people I was interacting with represented a part of the South that catered to respectability politics in a particular way. And I didn't adhere to that. You know, I'm very strong to my politics. Oftentimes people can have a very strong black radical politics within in person, like their actual personal life doesn't reflect that. And that's not the case for me. If I'm saying I'm pro-black, Yes, I'm going to curate spaces that are exclusively for Black people. And yes, that means if you're not Black, you can't come. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that to me is my, 
my politics, my mission, my philosophy. Now, as I'm emerging and doing more things, obviously, you know, it's difficult to always curate that. But all that to say is being on that show, people, you know, it's not really the most liked, but I loved it myself. I was proud of myself because I, I was very authentic. But if you asked me then, I would have said, I really don't like it. <laughs> but if you ask me now, and now I have a community of people who get me and see me, and they assume the best in me and I can be my full self and they love it. Even if they don't agree, maybe they don't have the same spiritual spiritual practices as me, or maybe, you know, they don't have the same, you know, views on blackness in the ways that I do right? as radical as I do, but they see me, they get me, they love me and they show up for me. And that is very new. So I would say in the last four to six months, I've been really enjoying it. Like now. Mm-hmm. Pretty much so. <laughs> And I really appreciate when you speak out for Black people. You speak out for all Black people, and it's really a safe oh, yeah. space. I feel like your music is absolutely a safe space. Um, mm-hmm. Because particularly, like, in one of your songs... Hold up. I'm about to get it. Hey! <laughs> Let's see. Black Femme. I was just mm-hmm. so... I'm loving that song because of how you speak up and speak out for Black trans women and mm-hmm. Black Femmes. Mm-hmm. Um, of the entire spectrum. And um, I just, I really appreciate that. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I go back to the reality show. I wanted to ask you what mm-hmm. was um, the name of the reality show and would you do reality mm-hmm. TV again? <laughs> That's a good question. So the name of the reality show is The Circle Atlanta. So not The Circle on Netflix. It's available on YouTube. The Circle Atlanta. Um it's a multi-city franchise. So there was like the circle New York city and it's like the circle down South. Now there's a couple of different places, but I did the circle Atlanta. Um, what I do it again, I think it depends because I am a reality TV viewer. Like when I, and I manifested this as well, like because the manifestation has always been real. I would watch bad girls club when I was a teenager in my early twenties and stuff like that too. And I would watch real world and things like that. And when I watched Bad Girls Club, I was like, I want to go on reality TV. And I was like, but I want to go at a point in my life where I can do this without having to worry about what my job would say, what my family would say. Like, I really got to go on there unapologetically because that's the only way I would want to do it. So I'm very glad that I did it in this way. Left my job. I didn't have to worry about nobody being like, calling me in for a meeting and being like, why did you do this? Because it was pre my relationship. I was single jewel. And I appreciate that point in my life, you know, new to Atlanta, single, just, I mean, I'm flashing titties. I mean, it's great. I have yes. fun times. I'm loving it because I'm like, you flashing titties, Yeah, yeah. And it was funny because most of the people on the show were black gay men. So they were really like, please put your titties away. And I'm like, titties! Like, I'm just loving it. I'm, I'm like, one of those so gay excited. Men. I, I just want you to know like, I'm not one of those gay men that I, I don't have a problem with titties. I don't like yes. do things. I'm gonna be the one cheerleading you on. Like, yes, okay. girl. Like, <laughs> one of my friends, one of my co-stars on the UG he literally covers me. He's like covering me up, like, girl, no. But what I have to say is it was a carefree time. And I think that, you know, that matters a lot. So that's where people can find me. Do the gym one near YouTube. Yeah. Would I do it again? If it was better quality. Um, then yes, I would. Are yes, there any, 
are there any reality because i know you said you watch um reality tv and mm-hmm. so do i are there any reality mm-hmm. tvs out there right now that are on that you would be on? Do, you know i do a love and hip because one i watched it from the very beginning but uh-huh. i feel like they have been inclusive about queerness in the last you know like few years or so mm-hmm. but i don't feel like as much with like black queer women and i'm like oh i'm in hip-hop like i'm making music you know i'm queer like and, and i feel like that would be an opportunity <laughs> my homegirl in my head cardi b is my homegirl in my head she's my gossip in my head really but <laughs> cardi b you know and i think that um it gives just enough ratchet and it gives just but it also gives visibility and people get to connect with you and i think that for me I'm always like, how can I also be a person that someone can relate to? How can someone else from Brooklyn, East New York, who's queer, you know, who grew up in an immigrant household, be like, and see herself in me, you know? So I think that that would be dope if I was to do that. But I wouldn't do any any other kinds. It's definitely all different types. So I'm like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't ever do another, like, YouTube franchise one. I think that would be you know, VH1 or, like, large network syndicated type vibes, for sure. Okay, got you. Yeah. Check out a clear. Yeah. Oh, I know that's right. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so you have such an interesting sure. background. Um, Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. Haitian background, mm-hmm. moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. How has this, because, like, New York has a sound. Mm-hmm. Um, they would say, you know, people say the South has its own sound. How has mm-hmm. that influenced your music and, and your sound? Mm-hmm. It didn't, and it don't, and it won't. Um, I, I truly believe, like, now it's interesting. For the Popped Out video, I was really excited about it. I debuted it in Brooklyn um, earlier this month when I did um, an event out there. And I was like, I should not show it to the people first. And everybody was like, we love it, but it gives Southern vibes. And I was like, damn. <laughs> but they were like, it gives Southern vibes because of the, the space and the backyard vibes and the cookout, whatever. But my sound is still Brooklyn. So to me, the reason why I share that is like, no matter where I live, no matter what my zip code, my area code, none of that, I will always be a New Yorker. I will always be from Brooklyn. I feel like that is really important. You sound like a true New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Like, y'all don't, it, really I mean, it don't matter where y'all go. Y'all don't let go <laughs> in New York. <laughs> no, no. Like, I'm not changing my number. I'm going to start with 646. Like, New York area code. Like, and, and for me, I'm like, I have to because putting off to your city is important. Mm. It's your roots. Yes. And so the same way I talk about my ancestors and talk about, you know, being born of two Haitian parents. Like, oh. these are all things that I have to, and not have to, that I choose and to celebrate. And even East New York, I mean, people will be like, why are you repping East New York so heavy? Like, it's a, a dusty space. It's a du- I'm like, yeah, but I'm from there. <laughs> what you going to do? Like, you're, you're from where you're from. You don't have to only brag on the spaces like, oh, I'm from the Upper West Side of New York. No, I'm from East New York. Yes. Like, corner stores on every corner, a couple shootouts on the block. Yes, like, the bodega. Yes. And the you bodegas. Know, mm-hmm. Yes. And so, and I, and I appreciate that in your music, you absolutely bring that New York culture. And yep. I do pick up, it, it sounds like a little, did, did you pick up on like a country accent? <laughs> Because you've been in Atlanta? Yeah. So, you know what? It's not even so much that I'm in Atlanta. It's because of my partner. Like, she's from South Carolina. And so... Okay. I feel like 
well, I do get there in New York, you know, being in, <laughs> like, I just, I just feel like having someone who you are around every day who has a deep Southern accent, like, I really can't help but to pick up on a little bit of Absolutely. it. Yeah. So I hear it too. I hear it too. So much so we had went to we had went to Huntsville, Alabama one time a couple months ago and they were like, You sound like you're from Atlanta. I was like, Me? I was like, Oh no. <laughs> I was like, Oh gosh. So I definitely feel like it's hard for real. Um, not so much Atlanta because I feel like Atlanta, you know, there's different people who live here, some New Yorkers who live here, some people from the, the Midwest, like it's a variety of different accents, but my household is very country. Like she very country. <laughs> Which I, I love. I, love it. I do. I love, it too. It. Mm-hmm. I love it too. And okay, so wait, you you have a okay, so is that the um Stuff, if you scroll down, it's like the sweet tea and quarter water Georgia podcast talk links. Show? Um well that's my radio show Definitely okay. have that. Okay. But her and I, when we first started our relationship, we started a podcast called Sweet Tea and Quarter Water. Because she's from South Carolina, so the South is very big on a sweet tea. It's so good. And New York, growing up, we had something called quarter waters. They call them huggies and stuff in the South, but they like to do it really hard. You know, yeah, it's huggies, but we call it quarter water in New York. So it's a fusion of like this New York girl falling in love with a Southern girl. And we come together and we celebrate our differences. So that's sweet tea and quarter water. So we're, we're thinking about doing a season two, but we definitely um, had a beautiful season one. So, and we won an award for it and everything. So, yeah. Well, congratulations on <laughs> a successful season one. Thank Where you. can people listen to your podcast? Yeah, so people can find it on Spotify, um, Sweet Team Quarter Water. And you'll see my face and her face. We're like linked into the, uh, our logo is our face. And it's good. Like, it's really good. And I think that a lot of the times, you know, a lot of times, partners and couples, they'll, they'll get on there after been five years. They're like, let me tell you, we were like, just like we, it was a couple months into dating and I'm so great, grateful that we have that because a lot of our things have shifted and changed and obviously we've like gotten through so many things like we have our we have our ceremony our wedding ceremony in November you know like we are such a different we're in a different place but it's so beautiful to kind of see where we started and getting us getting to know each other on that podcast was really beautiful so we loved out loud um that's that's super dope so that's that and she we also co-wrote the album with me and writing an album, you know, with, with your partner is very magical, I believe, because I was able to heal in a very particular oh. way um, with her. And she's so talented. And, and me saying, like, hey, I'm a, I want this song about my ex. I want this song about an abusive ex-partner. I want this song about, you know, and, and her leaning into her creativity and, and, and uplifting mine. So that was super beautiful, too. She's also my manager. So... Is that <laughs> okay? Yeah. Shout out to you all. I yes. know. Um, I saw the link in your bio. Have y'all set mm-hmm. a date or y'all have y'all made it happen yet? So, we have our ceremony 11 11 this year, so it'll be in Atlanta. That's our ceremony. Um, the, the link that's in my bio is the proposal because it was okay. epic, it was epic, like. It literally, like, she bought us a house, a three-story house, and then, and then had my friends over and proposed to me in the house that was brand new and, okay. like, proposed in our living room. So it's super beautiful. That works and I me. always told her. Yeah. Any men out there, if you want to marry me, if you, <laughs> a three-story house, yeah, that'll, I mean, that, that. 
<laughs> okay. Like I love I mean my level of love and, and for me it's like it's bigger even the like than the material. The material is a flex for sure, but what that really showed was that there is a level of commitment and security. And when I think about this album, you know, and me starting out with, you know, bloodshot and talking about my history with domestic violence, it's like I wouldn't have I didn't know that I would get here. Like I didn't know that someone like her was out here that I could actually be in something that's healthy and loving and we can make music together. We travel together and she manages me. So she's, you know, curating my things and making sure that things are set up in a way that is safe for me. And that works for me. That doesn't stress me out. (laughs) So I'm like, wow, I've come a long way. You know, I think about even gone for good in the album where there was someone who I was with during the pandemic, like a little before the pandemic and a little bit through it um, before I met her, obviously. (laughs) Um, And we just kept spinning a block on each other, you know? And so it was really beautiful to have a debut album that talks about the journey that even in make room. I remember uh, when we were working on that together, I was like, yo, I really want to put that I'm wiped up and that I have this forever love because I don't feel like a lot of the time, I don't ever want to be a rapper that people think that, that, that is single. I'm like, I have a ring on my finger. I'm deeply mm-hmm. committed. We are mm-hmm. monogamous. The DMs are closed. <laughs> you know what I mean? For that type of behavior. Yeah. So it's open for bookings and you know all of that. And for but a like, check, okay. And for like, a check, okay. Yeah. But other than that, you're not talking that, about that. Important. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally because the DMs it. used to be, you know, used to be on fire. You know what I'm saying? So I gotta let people know <laughs> that it's not on fire no more. Like we're keeping it real cool. Like no one has slid in my DMs since we've been together. We've been together for next month makes two years. So it shows that. I put that energy out into the universe and I don't, I don't get it. I think it helps even by saying stuff like this on this podcast, right? Like, like, yes. Oh yeah, I'm like stuff. Like I always open up with make room because I get to say I'm like stuff in a forever love. What I mean, because it's the energy love. you create. It's the energy you mm-hmm. create. You have a lot of people who exactly. go around, they be in a whole relationship, but don't ever want to tell nobody and then wonder why they put mm-hmm. some type of way. Okay. And I like, it's the, it's the energy you create around your mm-hmm. relationship and it's the energy that you allow into mm-hmm. your relationship that goes to show how serious you are about your partner. So I appreciate y'all. And mm-hmm. um, I will be checking out your podcast, both of y'all. Yes, so please do. I will. <laughs> yes. So <clears throat> it's Pride Month. Mm-hmm. We still got a few, a few more days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Pride Month. And I know for yeah. sure, just from going through some of your content on your Instagram page, that you absolutely use your platform to advocate for mm-hmm. um, Black lives, Black queer lives, Black trans lives, Black femme lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to ask you, being that it's Pride Month, what are some of the issues, the social issues that are going on right now that are important to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Pride Month, you know, I, I think it's an opportunity to have people listen to you in a different way. So it's the same way I think about Black History Month. You know, like my booking would be heavy for Black History Month and super heavy for June, for Pride Month, right? And I'm like, I am Black and queer year round. I am Black and queer and an activist year round. But Pride Month people are listening in a particular way. So that's why I started my radio show in June specifically. Um, I was by the, the owner of the station to start in May. And I was like, no, I'm going to start in June because people listen to queerness 
in a very particular way in June. Their ears are like really open and leaning and it's like, oh, what you got to say? Mm-hmm. So that was that was important for me to start. And obviously I'll continue it, you know, past five months, but kicking it off during five months. Um, and the reason why I'm mentioning that is that I get to talk about the social issues that I'm passionate about on that show as well with people who are exclusively in the Black, queer, and trans community. So I don't interview anybody white and queer and trans. I don't interview, you know, if you're a white, queer, and trans person, that you're not on my show. You know, if you're Black and you are, are straight, you know, a cis-hat person and you're Black, you're not on my show. It is exclusively for Black, queer, and trans people. I only play music from Black, queer, and trans people. Um, and so that's how I censor it. My number one social issue that I'm that I'm passionate about in terms of the community, the LGBTQIA plus community is trans issues. Um, and not only trans issues around homelessness and lack of available safe and gender affirming uh, employment and the medical industrial complex and safety in general, because the number, the average life expectancy for black trans women is 30 and I'm 35. So I'm just like, my, my trans, you know, sisters and siblings are, are really having to fight for their life in a different way. Yeah. Um, those aside, I'm like also celebrating the trans excellence. You know, there is an organization called BTFA Collective and you know, my friends are on the board and it is exclusively an organization that centers black trans femmes in the arts. And when I think about what issues need to be brought to the, to the forefront is always the Black queer and trans community, specifically the Black trans community, um, and uplifting those voices um, and making space for those voices, you know? So for me, um, that is a, a topic. My liberation as a Black femme is directly linked to trans femmes. So when you mentioned Some Fire earlier, like, I specifically knew on this album, on this debut album, I had to have an homage, an ode to Black Femmes. Had to. But there's no way I could do this without that. Because for me, they've paved the way, you know, in terms of the struggle, but also they're iconic in terms of the fashion. They're iconic in terms of the, the performance. They're iconic in terms of just so many different ways how they get us to think about gender you know, outside of the binary, outside of what people, what doctors assigned us to be at birth. Like, to me, I truly feel like Black trans people are the most divine beings walking on this planet. So if they're not feeling safe, comfortable, seen, affirmed, empowered, then how the hell am I going to be comfortable, safe, seen, affirmed, empowered? And that's just my life mantra, you know? Pride Month is, like I said, just where people ask me questions in this way or look at my page in a way, but that's just my mantra for life. Black trans femmes to the front, always. Black Femme is such an amazing song and it speaks to Mm -hmm. a lot of what you're speaking about right now and how Mm -hmm. much that it means to you. Am I, are we allowed to play a a 20 or 30 second clip of of Black Femme? Please do. Can I do that? Please do. I would love that. Thank you so much. So um, what we'll do right now is just um, go ahead and Listeners, um, take a listen to yes. uh, Black Femme, and we'll be right back. Code, but ain't shit changed. 
community curator, generational curse, break a radical word sayer. I use my voice to courtship, enlighten and alter perspectives I can't stop and won't quit. Trust black films, protect black films. Shout out to my bad bitch films who use they them. My sisters are black and trans. You mess with them, catch these hands. So watch how we body hits and flex while we and body hits. With a splash, big splash, big bags, pop tags, shake ass, think fast, and I'm popping with and it. And I hit them with a lash, long lash, hot class, paparazzi, all flash, motto open and I'm popping with Yeah, you said, um, you said black film. Yes. It's called Fem Fire, but I oh, think black films wow. throughout it, so I definitely get it. <laughs> like, I get why you did that. Um, but I was like, oh no! But I just didn't want you to hear it back and be like, oh snap! Like when you go to play the song, my and bad. Say, I'm fired. No, my <laughs> like, bad. You, you got the heart of it, and that's what matters to me way more than you know remembering the, the lyric or the right because title. it was the lyric that I really <laughs> it was just hitting me. And, yes, because um, I said that specifically. I'm not talking to white friends. I'm talking to black ones. <laughs> and I really like your you. It features an artist by the name of B mm-hmm. Hawk. I thought that they yes. just added so much flavor, mm-hmm. so much, yes, um, just power at the end of the track. And I just thought that was really cool too. Yes, they're super dope. They're one of my really good friends, and they're such an icon in so many different ways. You know, from being on Pose to be uh, an award-winning activist as well. Like, I really have an amazing group of people, and I knew that. I wanted, I only wanted them to be the feature. I was like, there's no other person that I would want to be a feature on this album. Like it was, it's a love letter to them in a lot of different ways, you know? So, yeah. You said on a reel, this was um, a clip from your Jewel, uh, Jewel Gem talk show. You did it. I saw a reel where you said, if you could make a movie gay, it would be, um, what was the, the name little of mermaid the little mermaid yes, yes. <laughs> you said if we piss them off this much yes <laughs> let's take it we just gotta go straight further yeah <laughs> i love it let's so, do it i was like yo that's such a dope question so i just wanted to snowball that and ask you um what other movies name another movie mm-hmm. uh, if you could make gay mm-hmm. what would that movie be and i'm gonna give you For a sure. few that I I'm not, I, I, okay, I for sure, my number one answer when I think about that uh, is love and basketball. That should be gay. Because especially the and number lesbians. of gay girls, the number of lesbians who be on basketball yes, teams. Like, it has to be lesbians. Yes. I'm like, come on. Yes. They gotta yes. definitely be a lesbian situation. Yes. Um, and oftentimes when I use gay, it's very like encompassing of different genders. But yes, very much lesbian vibe there. Um, but I think that, you know, and even when I said The Little Mermaid, you know, if, if it was another woman she fell in love with, I also mentioned that, like, she has the seven sisters or whatever. And I'm like, they could have been trans, non-binary siblings, you know? Like, there's ways to not only be the main character, but to infuse other aspects. So even if it was two women who fell in love, then maybe the best friend could have been a non-binary person or maybe one of the parents could have been trans. Like, I just feel like I need to just see more queer and trans people in multiple roles. Mm-hmm. you know and not you know so not the token. yeah for sure right. not the token and not always be trauma based like right. you know I, not always that so I think yeah. Love and Basketball it's also one of my most favorite movies so I definitely would want to uh, lesbianize that up a little bit what would you do yeah. what, what movie would you Ooh. make queer oh okay so I came up with three that came to mind mm-hmm. the first one <laughs> Picture it, okay? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Waiting to exhale. 
legend. Oh my god, yes. And that could be a very mixed cast, like Mm -hmm. gay, straight, trans, non-binary. Like we have enough Mm -hmm. for everybody to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, God, I love it. (laughs) I'm going to give you another one that I thought. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the Scream movie franchise. Like I want to see more of us in in, in horror. Mm -hmm. Yes. How about that? I love that. You would that? Okay. All, all the genres. We need to be in all the genres. Love that. I really do. Mm-hmm. Is there any other movies you, you you could think of that you would be like, oh, yeah. I was excited. I was ready to listen to your third one, but I can hop in. Um, so oh, I yeah. also really love, so, but I guess I'll share one and then I'll look to hear your third one. I really love musicals, which is really interesting because I feel like this part to me that's like, I'm like, reality TV, like, blah, 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 but also be like, I'm obsessed with documentaries and I'm obsessed with musicals at the same time. So it's like, yeah, like, it's very that girl. Um, so I would say a musical, um, oh Hairspray. I really love to Hairspray. And I think that making that be queer would be super dope. Oh. Having that vibe. So Hairspray. It is not a musical, but... Hairspray is one of my favorites. The so. talent that would grace that screen. Oh my gosh. Okay. The dancing, <laughs> the, the musicality, music, the antics, like, everything. The choreo, the yes. musicality. Come yes. on. Yes. Come that, on. I'm buying a ticket to that show too. Yes. 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 <laughs> What's your third one? My third one was one of my favorites. It's a classic movie with mm-hmm. Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn, and they are coming out with a remake soon. Death Becomes Her. Hmm. Dang, I don't know that movie. It's, okay, it's, I'm going to write that down. Mm-hmm, Death Becomes Her. It's one of my um, classic white women movies that I love. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I do want you to watch it. When you get a chance, I will. So I'm, I'm literally not, writing it down right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give too much away, <laughs> but it's it's basically about these two women who kind of grapple with um, ah. It explores the fountain of youth. Okay. It includes science, murder, uh, a little bit of comedy. Uh, okay. A little bit of shit, a little bit of nonsense, and like, <laughs> mm-hmm. sounds so, like a fun time. I need to check that yeah, out. So get into it, okay? Um, let's talk about where you are right now. What are you mm-hmm. working on right now? Yes, so I'm working on some new music, which I'm really excited about, and I have um, a song coming out on July seventh, so seven seven. And I have another song coming out on 8-8. So 7-7, that's going to be, it's called Mirror Mantra. And people can go on Spotify and like pre-save it. And you go to Spotify and just find me, Jewel the Gem. Just follow me on there and you'll see the drop when it drops and it's added to your playlist because it's fire. But it's truly, if people are into Tony Jones, which is one of my most favorite artists, um, just very affirmational music. Um, And I wrote it because I was like, I want a song that people can look into the mirror and affirm themselves. And, you know, I'm very much for the Black femme, centering the Black femme. But in this one, it's just, like, just always, I always want to be very clear about who I'm centering in my music, right? Obviously, I can't control who listens to it. But when I say, like, melanated daddy, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm clear to mm-hmm. you. <laughs> melanated, okay, you know? Um, 
And so I definitely talk about that. I talk about setting boundaries and, and ghosting people when they're out of pocket. Like, that's okay to do that and just filling yourself. So it's definitely a beautiful contrast to pop out as a summer anthem because it, it's kind of a groove. Like, I want people to truly, like, look in the mirror, put, put on something sexy and just groove to it, you know? So that's Mirror Mantra. On A8, I'm dropping Hear Me Out. Um, which is so dope, heavily written by my partner, Desiree. And <laughs> it's so dope because it really centers the aesthetic of different hairstyles. So I talk about wigs. I love to wear wigs. If people watch The Circle Atlanta, which I talked about a little earlier in our interview, they'll see I had a whole wig gate, a green wig gate situation. That wig slipped all the way almost to the back of my head, almost fell off to the back feet. Oh no. But it's okay. <laughs> But you know what? I'm one of those ratchet girlies who's like, so what? Like, okay. I just and you can laugh at yourself. It's and it's not a big deal. Oh, I laugh at myself. Like, yeah. people try to clown me. And I say, what you mean? Because I don't really like the whole glue. And I don't like for my hair not to move for three days. Like, it just, I don't like that. I like to be able to take it off at the end of the night. So, um, it talks about the wig and just wearing different colors. Because I love to wear different colors in my hair. And it talks about my braids, like the braids that I'm rocking right now. I wear braids every Pride Month, specifically rainbow braids every Pride Month. And they I braid are so myself. lovely. Yes, they are Thank so lovely. Thank you. I love them. And I braid them myself. And so when I write yes. it, when I wrote when I wrote the song, it's just like talking about that, like this, you know, these braids look good because I did them. Well, that was no break till I finished. I'll border on the ends, let them see. Moisturize the nappy roots and keep them clean. You know what I mean? Like hey. something about that. Yes. And so I'm really excited about those two songs. And um, what else I'll share too is that I'm working on a collab with two other artists who are based in New York and they are black and they are queer and they are radical and we're working on some new music too. So I'm excited for some more collabs. I do have hopes to write another album that maybe drops maybe next summer because I want to talk about, I want to have an anthem for the married girlies, you know, like, it's not like dating, you know, like, it's not like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm outside. No, you outside in a different way. Like, and I want to talk mm-hmm. about uh, just being, for, for me, being a ratchet black girl who's married. Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? So I want to write an anthem or an album that's dedicated towards black women like me, you know, because I'm not, I'm not for the streets no more. You know, I used to be for the streets, but <laughs> it's so different when you come home to the same person and. And still, it's still important for me to embrace my sensuality and my bodily autonomy, even though I'm in a marriage, mm. right? And so I want to write music about that. And yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that chapter. So that's, what, that's what's to come. And yeah. I know a lot of people will be, <laughs> will be able to relate to that too. So I'm yeah. excited for these projects mm-hmm. are coming out. So y'all heard it. Seven, seven mm-hmm. and eight, eight. Yeah. Yep. Because it's all about the numbers. I know you all about the numbers. Okay. Very <laughs> much about the numbers. <laughs> so very much talking about music right mm-hmm. now, your album ratchet revolution is streaming mm-hmm. on all platforms. all platforms. Hunger pod family. Give it. Listen, I've streamed your album at least yes. 10 times now, at least 10 times. Yes! I love that. And and it's going to go up from there because this is really, you got some Mm -hmm. summer anthems on here. So I want to give you some of my favorite songs. Okay. Okay. Love to hear it. Mm -hmm. I think popped out can be the summer boss can be the summer. Yeah. Yeah. For (laughs) For sure. Of course. Absolutely. Um, 
speaking of popped out and i mentioned in the very beginning that you have a video mm-hmm. out for popped out mm-hmm. you already talked mm-hmm. about where you were i had some questions for you about that video you already said mm-hmm. where you were you were in new york Myself? no i was well i no i debuted oh. it in new york but oh. I, did, I shot in atlanta oh yeah. okay thank you for mm-hmm. clearing that up okay got oh, you. That's okay. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you too, who were the extras because it just looked like you were having a good ass time <laughs> like it was a family <laughs> <Yes>. function <laughs> so the extras were friends for real like so my partner's in there my friends are in there it's community. So every single part, every single person, like one of my most favorite parts of the video is that my friend brought her daughter who's five years old, who was a part of it and threw the money on her. And I just, it's something about that. My inner child just felt so excited to just see that image. And she was just so excited to be a part of the video. Um, so yeah, these were all my friends and we legit had a couple, like after the video, I'm really impressed. This video is just a very an amazing moment. So one, it was shot by, a married couple, two black queer women. Um, yes. And that's really important for me. My styling team, we're all black queer people, makeup yes. artists, black queer women. So it's very important for me to have the behind the scenes to be that energy. Um, but having it, you know, at a super dope place, shout out to Mika, whose house it was, and letting us use it. But literally we did that in two hours, which is incredibly, <laughs> like that's rare to do wow. a whole music okay. video in two hours. But efficiency, a very efficient, very scheduled, very that. Everybody showed up on time and was good to go. And then once the video shoot was over, we legit stayed and like enjoyed the rest of the time. And we didn't leave until like maybe three hours after once the video. We ch- we chilled and eating with the videographers, like eating food. Like we was really, we really, I really wanted to cook out with a music video in it, you know? It so really, the cameras I was about and everything. to say, it's giving cookout. It was, it was <laughs> giving a cookout. Yeah. We had food and we was, we had, you know, we had the drink, we had the stuff, like we, we was at a cookout. Mm-hmm. Yep. I really appreciate that. And you all <laughs> listening, you can stream and check out the popped out video on YouTube or yes. just tap Jules bio link. So you can check that out. A few other mm-hmm. songs that I like going for good. Yes, <laughs> I, really I love like that, that song. song. I love performing that song too. Really, people why, love why that. that. Why? Well, because people really get into the catchiness of it, and the way that I started out, you know, I'd be like, "You have to spin the block on a relationship that you really needed to leave," and people relate to that, you know. And I think that when, when I talk about it, and I just start out. You know, and I go to like that hook part, and I'm just like, you know, bye, bitch, bye. They're like, wait a minute. Which fun fact, <laughs> I wanted to name it that. I wanted to name it Bye Bitch Bye. But I was like, this album is already called Ratchet Revolution. I already start the album talking about domestic violence. I end the album talking about police brutality. Let me just call this God for good. And then people will, but people remember it as Bye Bitch Bye. People come up to me and be like, I really love Bye Bitch Bye. And I'm like, okay, you love God for good. I love that for you. Because I also love that song. <laughs> So, that's, that's like me yeah. calling Femme Fire Black Femme. <laughs> but I get it because like I was like, I specifically you get it. I say yes. that. <laughs> you want to call the white man. Not it. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely get it. Yeah, it's just, and it's a real true story. And it, and it feels very, it, it's not that long ago. You know, like sometimes like Bloodshot, that relationship was from... 2012 to 2016. So, you know, it's been a little bit of a minute. But that dynamic, like, that was happening in 2020. Like, that's been in the block. And a lot of people, I think, spend the block during the pandemic because 
of so many different factors. We didn't know if we was going to see people, our families was dying around us. Like we didn't know what the hell was going on. So we kind of tolerated bullshit and kept going back to things and staying in things that wasn't good for us. So mm-hmm. I think that that was, that's just a very relatable song. I love it. What else yeah. do you like? Yeah. <laughs> I like um, Baddie's Own too. Mm-hmm. I really like Baddie's mm-hmm. Own. And mm-hmm. um, I already said Femfire, and that's where we played a little clip from. And mm-hmm. um, I'll be sure to also put in a 30 second clip of Popped Out because that's your, that's your, I believe that's your single that's out right now, right? Yeah, um, the whole album is out, but that's that's what's very much to the forefront because the video just dropped this month. It dropped July, um, June 9th, and it's available. It was it was supposed to be available on YouTube for a little bit, but I now I have it up on Vivo and Tidal and um, Apple Music as well, so people can find it. So they can find it. It's streaming there. everywhere. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know what? So I, I, that's fine. I really wanted to play a snippet from... Let's take a second. I want to play a snippet from Knee to the Neck. Please do. Please let's, do. Let's play yes. a snippet from that and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that. Okay. Reparations can't bring back our ancestors. Cops, the original kidnappers. No justice, no peace. Abolish the police. Need to the neck. You don't serve and protect us. So who do we trust? You out here being reckless. Look around. Shit going down. Ain't no freedom in this anti-black our melanin has always been under attack silence ain't enough time to shift the mentality let's take a knee to end police brutality let's get free give liberation libations let's get free for the future generations ancestors rolling in the grave they help to keep us feeling brave they shed blood and they shed tears it's on us to conquer our fears Wow. Um, This song, this song talks a lot. One of the bigger themes that I hear coming from this song um, that is really prevalent right now, um, a big big discussion that's going on is what what does police reform look like? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have some folks who um, want to defund the police, Mm -hmm. which means like, you know, taking away some of the, the, the fine, like lowering their budget. And then some folks are wanting to abolish the police and see no use in how this system of policing has been built up from, which is rooted from slavery catching. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, um, this is such a powerful song. What does police reform look like to you? What is the message behind this song that you want people to, to really tap into? Mm -hmm. So, I don't, so the police can't truly be reformed um, in a way that will liberate the most marginalized. So the history of, of you know, the fact that the history of policing in this country is rooted in slave patrol, it, it, it's, the system wasn't designed to benefit and keep Black people safe, to keep queer people safe, keep trans people safe, to keep disabled people safe. Like, it doesn't, it's kept to keep I believe it's kept to keep the assets of white men safe and to keep white women safe, but it's not meant for other people who are, you know, who have different marginalized identities in that way. So to me, reform 
while a stepping stone to abolition and while a stepping stone to where we need to be, it's not going to really get us there. So I, I never remain stuck in reform or like these fixes. I go into like the system is messed up and it was designed to be just messed, messed up and you can't go in. It's, it's like, okay, it's like a car crash, right? Like, you know, there's sometimes you can get, someone can get into a car crash and it's a little fender bender and they go get it fixed in a couple of days. It's better. And then it's sometimes with well, that, it's, it's a wreck. It's total. It's a total loss. Our, and it's like, and they, what do they do? They don't go in and try to fix it. They say you need to get a new car. So America, United States of America, we need to get a new car. We need to get a new system. Like it's demolished. It don't work. And so, um, yeah, I do believe in the safety of black people, but I do believe in we keeping us safe. And, and I think that that's something that's really real. I used to organize with an organization called Black Youth Project 100. And it's an organization that is abolitionist based. It's, everybody there is black between the ages of 18 and 35. And um, I did a lot of work there. I got statues taken down. You know, I, I did a lot of frontline work. I was New York, um, New York City chapter chair for, for a little bit, for two years. And I just feel like doing that work in that frontline way, I was able to see that even the most peaceful demonstration, the most peaceful demonstrations, Eric, they'll come out like, with just guns and just ready to throw us across buildings and rooms. And yeah. like, I mean, it was wild. And wild. I was like, it's a yeah. vigil. Like we're here for a vigil. Like, and, and that's what really brought to light that it doesn't matter the way that we want the system to be. Um, we can't fix it from within. You can't try to like, it, it just doesn't work. It has to be dismantled. So the song brings to light police brutality. It brings to light that, the police needs to be abolished. Yes, defunding the police is very critical because if you think about, you know, I'm in Atlanta right now, Cop City, if people know about what's happening out in Georgia, yes, here, right there. literally yes. mm-hmm. there's $30 million going towards a playground for police. And the reason why I call it a playground for police is that so that they can train and, you know, be cops that, you know, like, and, and other cops can also train there. So they're basically building an amusement police to learn more militarized ways to murder us. So absolutely not. Um, and the fact that it takes 171 acres of carbon of footprint of the environment, like it's just wild, it's ridiculous. So the song brings to light that it also brings to the light specifically that it doesn't matter if you're a black cop because in Atlanta, like, well, the cops are black. It doesn't matter. Um, and what I don't, it's not a personal issue. It's a issue with the system and that they're opting into. I didn't choose to be black, but these cops who didn't choose to be black as well are choosing to be blue. They're choosing to opt into a system that is rooted in slave patrol. And yet when they're out of uniform, they want to go to the cookout and like be with the people. Like, no, you can't be with the people. Like you are part of the oppression of the people. So I just wanted to name that. And then lastly, I really wanted to end with that black it's not just black cis men who are being murdered, you know, not just George Floyd. It is Breonna Taylor. It's cis women. It's trans people like Tony McDade. It's seven-year-old children like Ayanna Stanley Jones. And recognizing that the issue is a lot bigger than, oh, you know, this, this black guy was, you know, he was in a gang. And I don't care if a black guy was in a gang. No one, he doesn't deserve to be dead by the hands of the police. I don't care if he had a weapon on him. He doesn't deserve to be dead by the end of the police you know so it's an opportunity to really shed light and i'm really glad to talk about it because people don't talk about that record they don't talk about that on the album 
And I think it's because people don't want to go there. So thank you for going there with me. And thank you for just expanding on that because there are fundamental issues. Um, I, I just, I oftentimes reflect back to um, a story that my coworker told me. Um, this woman is probably in her 60s and she has a few children. And I just remember this story that she told me one day at work, we were having lunch together about how, you know, the police, they were looking for her son and they, you know, didn't knock. They just bust down her door one day when she was at home. Mm -hmm. And she said they had her and her daughters face down Mm -hmm. on the ground with a semi-automatic weapon pointed Mm -hmm. to their head and they were shaken. Their hand was shaken. Wow. And we hear this so often about Mm -hmm. police that when they pull their weapons, which is one of the most first things that they almost automatically always do Mm -hmm. is pull Mm -hmm. their weapon is that their hands are shaking. And it really really talks about that there's a problem here. There's a problem Mm -hmm. with that. And that these people who are signing up to be blue, they're not even ready for this. They're not. They're not. They're not, they're not ready for this. And say, yeah, you can't keep me safe if you're scared of me. Yes. And you're in like, it don't work that way. And your first reaction for anything. And you touched on it a little bit is how they'll pull the trigger on you. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care if a man or woman, anyone, even if you are guilty of something, mm-hmm. what do you have? What right do you have to execute this person? That you, no, you don't have anybody. If someone mm-hmm. is running away from you, what yeah. right do you have to execute them because they're running away from you? Like, yeah, it goes right back to the mm-hmm. methods that were used in slave patrol, and that's what you mm-hmm. um, had touched on a moment ago. And so, um, I just wanted to snowball that and and just thank mm-hmm. you for. Um, highlighting this in your music because this is what we need to this is what we need to hear. Yeah, and that's why it's called Ratchet Revolution, you know, and that's why I identify as a Ratchet Revolutionary because I love the twerking, I love the ass shaking, I'm very pro whole culture, pro bodily autonomy, like all of that. I'm pro sex worker, like I have so many yes. sex worker friends. I'm pro that life. And I also am like, y'all, we need to get liberated. Juneteenth did not set black people free. It did not. The fact that the fact that we even celebrate, you know, anything like that. I mean, you know, when I think about my family, you know, like Asians got our freedom in 1804, January 1st. But it's like, even then, it's like when you think about celebrating oppression or celebrating freedom from oppression and then looking back and being like, shit, we still not free. That's really rough. So it's like, how do we celebrate it? Do we bask in the joy, but then also remain grounded in the history of our country, you know, and black people relationship to it. So yeah, definitely the work embracing both of that. Cause I identify as a conscious rapper as well as a ratchet rapper. And I don't feel like I have to choose and I won't choose. I don't like, I'm very yes. much like I'm queen. Yeah. Like I'm very much like I'm very queen energy and I'm that bitch energy. Yeah. <laughs> like both because of them. You can be all the things and mm-hmm. I'm sure that we'll continue to watch you grow evolve and transform in your music i know that Mm -hmm. i am a fan and i certainly will be yes as we (laughs) as we bring this to a close yes and Mm -hmm. i appreciate you as we bring this to a close my last and final question Mm -hmm. um for you is just in terms of talking about preserving uh black queer spaces and it's 
mm-hmm. very uh, timely because I'm, I'm WURD, a local radio station here in Philadelphia, um, mm-hmm. asked me to be on a Pride Month panel tomorrow. And, oh, amazing. Uh, yes. <laughs> and that is the big question on the table is just how do we preserve Black queer spaces, um, particularly beyond the white gaze? Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted to yeah. ask you because, you know, there continues to be an effort from uh, the white community and from some of our people, too, to mm-hmm. <laughs> silence and erase the LGBTQ plus community. Jewel, close out with letting us know how we can continue to preserve safe spaces, safe spaces. Because mm-hmm. that's that's one thing I'm gonna t- I'm gonna touch on tomorrow is that everything that's black ain't safe. I mean, I, we love our people. I love my people. Yes. <laughs> I will <laughs> well, ride for my people to the day that I'm. You know, I'm black and I love that. But I also know that I've been around us enough to know. That whether it's coming from our black cis brothers and sisters or even mm-hmm. from, you know, sometimes the call is coming right from within the house. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Queer brothers and sisters where sometimes they're not safe. They're no. Not safe. And so no, we, and we can't, we can't guarantee safety. So right. um, one of the things that I was fortunately enough for BET to highlight was a space that I curated called a ratchet realm. And it was a monthly party space in New York, specifically in Brooklyn. And it was exclusively for the black queer and trans community, which meant that I told white people they had to go. If you were not black, like you had to go. And the reason why I'm sharing that in terms of the preserving safe black queer spaces is one recognizing that we can't guarantee a safe space. What we can do is have, like I used to have vibe checkers in the space. And if there was any drama or if people just need water because they were partying too much and they're about to dehydrate and pass out, they had people who were walking around, who were in community, who cared about the community, about, about safety and were in the space. They're not security guards. They're people that people can go to and say, hey, I need some support with this. Hey, I'm being harassed. You know, so kind of creating that, I think having vibe checkers in the space. Another piece is to hire black Oh yeah, and I didn't mean to but, cut but, you but, off, but I just oh, wanted—I wanted to make sure people heard <laughs> yeah. that, that term mm-hmm. "vibe checker." I really oh, yes. like that, and I think that is such a good um, person to kind of have in between security mm-hmm. because. Exactly. Sometimes even, you know, similarly, similarly, unfortunately, like it is with police, sometimes with, with security, things can get very violent and aggressive very quickly. Yes, and a lot of the times they're ex-cops, so... Well, there we go, right. No. And, 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 and a lot of them are queer affirming. Yeah. Exactly, and they're yeah. not queer affirming. You know, don't be over here misgendering my, the people coming to my party. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. Yeah. So, vibe checkers, I will also say to hire Black so, um, and black and queer. So, you know, like I said, the, the music video, I had a hairstylist. Hair I mean, yeah, the makeup artist. I didn't have a hairstylist because I had wigs. <laughs> but I had my fashion team, styling team, queer, uh, videographer, queer. Um, and I think that when you hire black, you are black and queer, you're preserving the space in a particular way because you're making it very clear that you value pouring money and energy and, and uplifting creativity um, within our community. So that's another way to do it. Um, and I would say lastly, to preserve um, Black queer spaces is to be unapologetic as to who the space is for. Every flyer that I do, that is uh, like when I used to do for, um, a ratchet realm, I used to say, 
this is a black, this is a black queer space. This is the black queer and trans space. And so letting people know who it's for. Now, now that I'm no longer at that residency and that like, you know, relationship with owners, I'm performing in different venues. I no longer have that ability to say like, white people can't come. But if white people come, I make it very clear that you are a spectator, that you are not a, this is not home for you. Like yeah. this is home for black queer folks. You're not, you not to the cookout. Person, yeah, yeah. You, de- or you definitely don't have to cookout. But if you come to an event that I'm performing, you know what I mean? And like, I don't have control of the tickets and stuff. Like, please know my music isn't for you. It's not centered for you. It's not. And I think that's a piece. And black people, black people sometimes can feel hesitant in sharing that like, hey, this is for black, queer and trans people. Don't be hesitant, y'all. Say it. That's how we have to preserve it. And lastly, for real, for real, don't invite people who are not black and queer to be in these spaces. You can't preserve a black queer space and then you bring in your white friend. That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how can we keep the space black and queer? It's by the people who come. If you are white and you want to come, hit up your black friends and send them a ticket. Hit up the owner or hit up the person who's curating the event and donate to the event. You don't need to bring your, your white self into the space. So like those that. are the things that I would say. I black like checker, yeah. hire black and say that it's black <laughs> unapologetically. Let us know that this is a space for us. And that was such a good word for our white folks that are out there that are listening who enjoy um, coming to these events and being patrons. It's just that, like, look, you don't always have to insert yourself. Buy some tickets. No. Buy, Buy some tickets. tickets. Buy some Absolutely. tickets. You, a lot of y'all follow Black creators, Black artists. Send them a cash app. Okay. And Subscribe if you own to their venue, shit. Yeah. Okay. And if you own a venue, say, y'all, I would love to let you use this venue for free. Once right. a month. Because do if they don't, if they don't own it, they uncle do or their daddy okay. do. Like, let's, okay. let's, let's, let's open up some of this. Thank you. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's it. Yes. That's it. Wow. This was great. Jewel the Gem. This was so great. Everyone. We are so glad that we're Look at this. <laughs> you are a gem. I love it. I love it. Thank you for being here. I'm very hung me. up. Before you go, please remind the listeners where they can find you um, and support you on social media. Yes. So you can find me on my main Instagram page, Jewel, J E W E L underscore the gem. Also, Music streaming platforms too, like Vivo, Tidal, YouTube, Spotify, like Apple Music, all of that. I'm on there, Jewel the Gym. Stream the album, be ready for new music. <laughs> and if you are listening and you have access to resources, please hit me up. My email and everything is in my Instagram bio as well. If you want to book me, please hit me up too. <laughs> so yeah, those are the things. I'm really excited to be on here. This is probably one of my best interviews, and I appreciate you there. Oh yes, okay. Yes. Come on, that's <laughs> what I love to hear. And come on, Philly Black Pride, we got to get Jewel the Gem. Come on, Philly, and I can't <laughs> wait. I'm not gonna say I want to meet you. No, I can't wait to meet you. And yes, we will be meeting. We're gonna have we're gonna have a ball. And um, wow, this was really special because Hunga Pod family, this is a wrap for season four (laughs) this is the last episode of the season because i am working on like the youtube show is coming back and 
honestly for season five i um i'm working on something special y'all mm. uh, do it like a little four-part series so i'm working on something special so hunger pie family thank you so much for tuning into another week another episode of the hunger podcast i am your host and producer eric cole and i will see y'all soon and J- jewel thank you so much for for being here this was this was really dope you are amazing Thank you. You're amazing too, Eric. And I'm super excited for all the amazing things that have to come for you as well. Thank you. Thank you, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> all right, peace, y'all. Peace.